I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. Today, I'd like to talk about God's plan. God's plan to elevate us. God's plan to elevate Carver. What God has in mind for us and what God's dream is for us. I've included on your worship sheet today, Genesis 28, 10 through 13, 15 through 22. And I'm going to ask if you would follow along as I read, beginning at uh, verse 10 of Genesis 28. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream. Behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Behold, I am with you. Would you say that, please? Behold what? I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. Read this clause with me, please. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, how awesome or how dreadful is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head and set it as a pillar and poured oil on its top and called the name of that place Bethel. Would you say Bethel? However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. And then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, And will keep me on this journey that I take. How many know God is with you? Keeping you on this journey. I and will give me food to eat and garments to wear. And I return to my father's house in safety. Then the Lord will be my God. This stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you. Now, you noticed early in the passage, he called the name of the place Bethel, which means by definition, house of God. The Hebrew word for house is Beth, and a name for God is El, Bethel, the house of God. Jacob turned this barren place into the house of God. Jacob turned this desert land into the house of God. Well, what constitutes the house of God? 
Well, first of all, the house of God is where sinners are welcome, where everyone is welcome. Jacob, his name means trickster. He's a con man, a confidence man. He's a thief and a crook. He is known for stealing things from people right out from under their nose. He's a smooth talker, a slick talker. Jacob is the world's first con man, but you see him at the house of God. That's exactly what the house of God should be, a place for everybody. Sinners, unbelievers ought to find themselves feeling welcome at the house of God. The house of God is not a place for the pure, washed, and holy. Rather, the house of God is a hospital for people of every walk of life. That when people from the community come to the church, they ought to feel welcome. They ought to feel that they're at the right place. They're not being judged, not being put down, not being beat down. The house of God ought to be the place for suffering, sighing, crying, dying humanity to come and to feel the presence of the Lord and to be accepted in God's plan. Because God's plan includes people from all backgrounds and all walks of life. And if you build a church, it shouldn't be so fine that the dirty cannot come in. It shouldn't be so wonderful that you feel bad if you see children come in that don't know how to behave like other children. The truth of the matter is that where there is the house of God, everybody ought to feel welcome. Secondly, the house of God is where heaven is real. Can you say where heaven is real? On that piece of land where Jacob was lying down. And Jacob is on this land because he had tricked his own family. He beat his own brother out of something that was rightfully his. He had so mistreated everybody that he is now out here in life as a runaway all by himself. But there in that place that he called the house of God, he saw a ladder that reached from earth to heaven. That has to do with elevation. Yes, I come in God's house as a sinner, but there is elevation in God's house. There is promotion in God's house. I come in one way, but I don't go back out the same way. When I come in, I may come in saying just as I am, but when I leave out, I ought to declare I am blessed and highly favored. I may come in feeling low and feeling down and feeling depressed and feeling broken and feeling rejected, but when I walk back out that door, I ought to feel like somebody. It's bad when you go to church and leave out the same way you came in. It's bad when you sit through an hour and a half worship service and it doesn't do anything for you. Every encounter with God ought to better your life. I've been going to church all my life and I still look forward to going to it. I don't believe that when I come to church this Sunday is going to be just like last Sunday. I don't think when I come to God's house it's going to be the same old, same old. It's going to be the routine. When I come in here I come looking with expectancy. I come not to hear the music but to help the music. I wish I had a witness. I didn't come here to hear the preacher. I came to help the preacher. I came to bring all that I have and put in what I've got. Because if I do my part and you do your part and you do your part and you do your part, all of us will be blessed when we go back out the door. 
The church is not a place where you ought to be wasting your time. Rather, the church is a place where you ought to feel that your time is worthwhile. Heaven is real. There's a ladder in here. I said there's a ladder in here. You can't see it, but listen, the Bible says we are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. We're not just seated here in this sanctuary or this auditorium, but we've also got a seat in the heavenlies. And whatever God is doing up there, we're receiving it down here right now. Elevation. Somebody say elevation. When I come to church, I'm not going down to the church. I'm going up to the church. Sometimes people say, well, come on, let's go down to the church. No, you go down to hell. When I come to the church, the church is a foretaste of heaven. Let me try that again. I say it's a foretaste of heaven. The music ought to remind you of what heaven's going to be like. Talking about Jesus and about God. Where the lamb in heaven, the Bible said, there's no need for light because Jesus is the light. When I come to church, my mind ought not be on who is here and who's not here and what's going on around me. It ought to be on him that saved me and washed me in the blood and qualified me to sit with him in heavenly places. So heaven is real when I come to church. Some people say, well, they're just so loud. They got the microphone. I don't know why they're raising their voices. They're just so loud. Well, listen, I don't know why you're going to spend eternity. Because this is the quietest world you'll ever live in. If you die and go to hell, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. They're screaming all day and all night long. And if you go to heaven, the praises of God never stop. Because the Bible said they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. They're singing his praise. They're declaring his praise. I don't know where you're going to go in the next life. I'm a little loud down here because when I get in his presence, I'm going to have to let it all go. I'm going to have to be as loud as I can be in order to give him praise. So heaven is a, the church is a place where heaven is real. But then number three, it's a place where God reveals himself. I said God reveals himself. When I come to church, this house of God, I'm looking for a revelation. Somebody say uh, a revelation. I heard them singing a little while ago. They said it's already done, but it will manifest. It says it's already done, but I'm looking for the manifestation. Now healing is already done, but I'm looking for the manifestation. Now victory is already done, but I'm expecting the manifestation. And so it's where God reveals himself. I think in two ways. In church, God reveals that he is a giver. A giver. Come on, what did the Bible say? God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son. I said God is a giver. Jesus said when you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Then what did he say? Give us this day our daily bread. God is a giver. How many know that God is a giver? God has so much, we have so little, and God is always interested in giving to his children. How many parents here that would have the resources and the ability would not give their children everything that they could give them? Sometimes we give them too much. I wish I had a witness. Sometimes we give them what they really don't deserve. But the thing is, you look at them and you remember when you were carrying them. You remember when you gave birth to them. You remember when they were cute, although they've gotten a little ugly as the years have gone on. But you still can't help but give when you got it. And if you can give, certainly God is our father. He gives. 
He gives. You know why I'm here this morning? Because God has given me something while I'm here. I said he's given me something while I'm here. You may not can see the change on me, but some chains have been broken since I've been here. Oh, you may not can tell it. Maybe you can't see it. But listen, some bondage has been broken since I've been here. I've got a new idea about some things. When we were praying a little while ago, I saw something in the word I'd never seen before. Because God is giving. But not only is he a giver, he's a rewarder. Now, sometimes you give to your children because you just want to. It's their birthday. It's Christmas. I wish I had a witness. You got a little bonus, right? So you give. But there are other times, it's a reward. They did something that you want to reward them for. Repeat after me. God is a giver. God is a rewarder. Some things he gives me because of grace. Other things he gives me because I earned it. I kept his word. He made a covenant with me. He said, if you will keep my word, if you, now here's God's dream. If you will do my word, you'll be blessed in the city. I don't have a witness. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed in your coming in and your going out. He said, if you obey my word, he said, I will take care of you. I will keep the enemy away from you. If you will do my word, so God reveals himself. But then number four at the house of God is a place where angels ascend and descend. Now I want you to notice how the scripture reads. It doesn't say the angels were descending and ascending. No, they were what? Ascending and then what? See, they weren't coming from heaven to earth. They were going from earth to heaven. I know people like to think the angels are in heaven. I've got news for you. Angels live here. Angels are all in here today. Every one of us in this room today have the guardianship of angels. I wish I had a Bible reader. That wherever I go, I'm accompanied by angels. Oh, what about that near accident you almost had? What, I wish I had a witness here. What, what, what about that, that in your meal? You almost missed it and ate it, but all of a sudden you saw it. It had been there all the time. How did that happen? You've got angels here. In the old church, they used to sing all night, all day. I wish I had some old saints here. The angels keep watching over me, my Lord. You know, I used to think they would take off at night when I went to bed. But then I read the Bible where it said, when I lay down, they make an encampment right in my room. No, he didn't see the angels coming down and going up. He saw the angels down, headed up. They ascended and descended. They are ministering spirits. When I speak the word of God, they go out to get that accomplished. You say, Pastor, why do I need to read the Bible? Why, do, why are we reading through the four Gospels? Why do you want us to read the word? Because the more you speak it, the more assignment you give to your angels. Your angels, according to the Bible, do the word of the Lord. They don't do your bidding. They're not your slaves. They're not your servants. They are God's servants. And God assigned angels to me because I need extra protection. Oh, I wish I had a witness here. All you have to do is read the newspaper. All you got to do is look at the newscast. This, this world is getting worse and worse and worse. 
Thank God for the protection of the angels. And when the angels hear me say, bless the Lord, O my soul. And bless the Lord, forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all of my iniquities. They hear that. Who, who heals all my diseases. They hear that. Who redeems my life from destruction. They hear that. Who renews my youth like the eagles. They hear that. I wish I had a witness. Somebody was trying to laugh a little bit ago. Talking about my age as if they knew what it was. They were trying to laugh a little bit ago. Say, I've got another birthday coming. Well, I'll have a lot more birthdays coming. Hallelujah. Don't you believe you're going to have a lot more coming? Hallelujah. But you know what I'm not worried about? You know why I'm not worried about it? It's uh, right there. Psalm 103 says he heals. He, he, it says he forgives all your iniquities. How many believe God forgives? It said he heals all your diseases. How many believe God can heal? It said he redeems your life from destruction. How many believe God can protect? Well, the very next clause say he renews your youth like the eagles. The truth is my youth is being restored. I don't have a witness here. The older I get, the younger I get. Not because my name is young, but because the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Then the house of God ought to be a place where God and man are joined together financially. One thing about God you got to remember, he knows we live in a material world. Can you say material world? Now, this is what they didn't teach me growing up in church. When you, when, when you live on this earth, you got to have money. Well, you think God doesn't know that? Why do you think in the prayer Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread? Money. The resources that I need for my life. Here in the house of God, the sinner that shows up, that gets a revelation of God, that sees the ladder that's there, the sinner that sees the angels going up and down, should also understand that it's at the house of God where God and man are joined together financially. When I bring my resources to God, God says, I'm going to take that and make it more than enough. That's why I have here the last one. Where the laws of increase begin to happen in people's lives. You know what happened to Jacob? Jacob is a rascal. Jacob is low down. Jacob is a thug. Jacob is a thief. He's the worst of the worst. But he saw God. Mm -hmm. I wish I had a witness here. My heart was so touched yesterday at that home going service. It was so touched yesterday. So touched yesterday when I heard the son say, when I heard your brother say, sister, I heard your brother say, he said, when I visited him last time, I talked to him about God. And said he couldn't talk, but he nodded his head. How many know God can hear your head nod? Hallelujah. He said, and he said, my dad, he said, my dad was one of the worst. But I talked to him before he went in. And he signaled to me with tears coming out of his eyes in a hospital room, he'd made his peace with God. Oh, I wish I had a witness here. That's why I love belonging to the church. Because the church is the place where God lets you know you get another chance. 
Whether you're on your feet or laying on your deathbed. Hallelujah. What he couldn't do for God in this life. There's still more to come. Jacob was not anybody you want in the pulpit. You wouldn't want Jacob on the deacon's ministry. You wouldn't want Jacob on the praise team. You wouldn't want Jacob playing the guitar, the drums, or the keyboard. You wouldn't want Jacob at the door because everybody that walked in would look at him and think about evil and turn away. But do you know those are the folk that God wants to showcase? I wish I could find a witness up in here. The very ones that you shun are the ones that God is looking for. This runaway met God. And made a decision. He said, he said, I don't have anything. Do you know Jacob vowed to give God 10% when he didn't have nothing? When he was broke. When he was poor. When are you supposed to vow what you're going to give to God? And, 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 and commit a tenth to God when you got it? Or when you ain't got it? When you don't have it? A lot of times people say, well, you know, pastor, I, I, would, I would pay that tithe you'd be talking about, but I ain't got nothing. My bills are due. My money is short. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to get along, baby. That's the right time. That's the right time. He made his vow when he had nothing but a shepherd's staff in Genesis 28. He didn't have no family because he gypped all of them. He couldn't get a loan from his own brother. He couldn't get $10 from his brother. He was such a crook. But you know what he said, Lord? See, you can't, you can't jip God. <laughs> he said, look, now this is a thief talking. He said, Lord, if you take care of me, if you provide, if you look out for me, I will bring a tenth unto you. And when you read Genesis 32, when you go home, this is the 28th chapter. Would you take a moment and look at 32? Look at 32 around verse 9 and 10. You know what it said? When he came back to that land, he had servants. He had sheep. He had cattle. He had all kinds of livestock. You know why? Because he kept his vow. When he was poor, when his bills were due, when he didn't have any money, he knew that all of his help was going to come from God. You need to look at what God is doing in your life. You say, I'm poor. Yeah, but you're still breathing. You say, I'm broke. Yeah, but you still got the activities of your limbs. You say, I ain't got nothing. Yeah, but you came up. You didn't, you didn't fly up here. You rode up here in something. I wish I had a witness now. The truth is you can't look at where you are as an excuse for what you need to vow unto the Lord because if it had not been for the Lord on your side, where would you be? That breath you just breathed, where did you get that from? And every time you breathe one breath out, he shoves another one down your throat. You can hear me preaching faith. Listen, all you got to do is reach out and say yes to the Lord. You say, but Bishop, you don't know my situation. You ain't no worse than Jacob. And you may be low down. You just may be. I'm not going to argue with you about it. You know more about you than I do. 
But the truth is that Jacob is in this word so we can see that God will bless anybody. And let me tell you something else about him before I move on. He, he came from a good family tree. Some of us said the reason we're so messed up is because our mom and daddy wasn't no good. Grandmama, big mama wasn't no good. Well, Jacob's grandfather was Abraham. And Abraham was wealthy. His father was Isaac, Abraham's son. And Isaac was wealthy. And Jacob is a poor crook. I also want to say that for some of y'all that think the acorn don't fall far from the tree. I don't know where we get this idea from that because somebody's daddy was low down, they're going to be low down too. You can break that generational curse. I wish I had a witness. No, the truth is just because somebody came from a line of liars doesn't make them a liar. You can be delivered from that. Somebody came from a line of perverts, that doesn't make you a pervert. Jacob had a dream. God has a dream for our church. What's God's dream for us? To be used. God wants to use us. Everybody say, God wants to use us. Oh, come on. God wants to use. Say, God wants to use Carver. You say, yeah, but we're here and we're here by this empty field and ain't nothing down that field and we're down over here in this building about 12 years old and we don't see which way. How are we going to go? Because God has a dream to use you. You say, but how are we going to do it, Reverend Young? Because God wants to stretch our faith. Watch this. God wants to what? Stretch our faith. Say it again. Somebody wasn't here the other Sunday. God wants to what? Stretch our faith. God wants to stretch your faith. He wants to stretch your talent. He wants to stretch your ability. God is just looking for somebody in this city he can use. Some of the churches in this city are too sedity and sophisticated for God to use them. Some of them don't have enough faith for God to use them. But I want to see, I want to see what you want to see. A powerful church, a praying church, a church full of faith, a church full of deliverance. I want to see a Holy Ghost church. I want to see a church that knows that if it had not been for the Lord, we wouldn't be anywhere. And watch this, except the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain that build it. So Bishop, you're preaching like we got the money. The money is on the way. Hey, money is no problem for the God we serve. God wants to use us to reach out to the last, the lost, the least, and the left behind. And that's why Jacob made a vow. When I, when I talk to you about, about money, I need you to understand that I'm not preaching to you about money because the church needs money. That's a misunderstanding. If I wanted to talk to you about the church needs money, I wouldn't disguise that in preaching. I'd just say the church needs money. Mm -mm. No, when I preach to you about money, I'm preaching to you about building up your life and your money going to the causes that God needs it to go to. Because listen, evangelism is important. Who's going to get these people saved? Who's going to get them off the street? God wants us to change Bessemer. God wants us to change Jefferson County. God wants us to reach into the cracks and crevices of the, of the neighborhoods and the streets and the alleys and the corners. And God wants us to draw all men and women to himself. 
God wants us through radio and internet and TV to reach into places around the world that we will never be able to go to physically, but that we can send a signal out that somebody will see and accept the word of God and the gospel of Jesus. Say, well, no, well, he preaching on money because we need to pay the debt. Preaching on money because we need to build a church. No, I'm preaching on money because we need to evangelize. We need to witness. Our ministry should be known as a place that helps unwed mothers. We help people caught up in gangs. We help people that are caught up in all kind of corruption. We should be known for ministering to crying, sighing, dying humanity. That if you need help, there's a church down there called Carver. If you go down there, they got something that can help you. So there's seven reasons to tithe and let's go home. He said, I vow, I vow. Here's where tithing starts. He said, you know what I'll do? If you're good to me, how many will say God is good to you? Say amen. He said, if you're good to me, I will, I vow, I vow, I bring you the tenth. Because the tenth is connected to God's goodness. If, in other words, let me flip it around. If God ain't good to you, don't give him the tenth. That's what it means. That when you don't give the tenth, you're saying to God, you're not good to me. So I got to look out for myself. You're not good to me, so I'm going to have to feed myself. Thank you for the offer, Lord, but you've been doing a poor job. So I need this tenth to make sure that I don't drown. Why are we supposed to tithe? I'm glad you asked seven things, and I'm getting ready to let you go. Number one, tithing and giving is God's plan. Can you say God's plan? No, it's not Bishop Young's plan. It's God's plan. No, it's not Carver's plan. No, it's not. It's God's plan. No, Carver didn't sit down one night and come up with a fundraising idea called tithing. No, that's God's plan. God said that's the way. At the house of God, (laughs) at Bethel, here's what I want you to do at Bethel when you're in my house. I want us to be on good terms. So what I will do is take care of you. What I will do is give you the land. What you will do is give a tenth. Secondly, it's God's secret plan to bless his own people. It's the plan for the blessing. You want God to bless you? That's how you do it. Thirdly, it's to finance local churches and outreach. You know, the local church has a way to be financed. Hallelujah. And it's not by Krispy Kreme. We have our own plan. How do the Girl Scouts of America finance their vision, their dream every February? They sell cookies. I buy cookies every February and March. I don't even eat them. I buy them. Where does my money go? To fund the dream of the Girl Scouts. I don't have a witness here. But God is not a Krispy Kreme God. See, the the band, the school band sells Krispy Kreme donuts finance their dream but the church has its own plan I don't like people running in the church talking about I got a plan now is it wrong for the church to wash cars no is it wrong for the church to sell plate dinners no as long as you're selling that to finance some part of your missionary work you're going to send all of these young people here out on a missionary trip 
to some city. Or you're going to send them to Washington, D.C. so they can tour the mall. Sure, you can wash cars, sell donuts. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But you don't wash cars and sell donuts to keep these lights on. You don't wash cars and sell donuts in order to keep the grounds. This is the house of the Lord. And the house of the Lord has its own plan. But then thirdly, fourthly, is to keep your attention on heaven. Now, I know don't nobody want to go much to heaven now. When I was growing up, everybody wanted to go to heaven. Man, they talk about streets of gold, gates of pearl. But see, that don't excite folk anymore because we all got some gold. See, back then, they, them old folk, they didn't have no gold. Now we wear gold on our hand, on our, on our ankles, on our toes, in our mouths, around our neck. We got gold. So it don't excite us anymore, gates of pearl. But the truth is that God wants to make sure he can trust you. And if you'll steal the tithe, for all he knows, you may steal the gold bricks off the streets in heaven. He said, now you robbed me on the earth. Well, I know you get up here with that robbing spirit. Oh, I don't have a witness here. Be going down your street in heaven and all of a sudden all the gold bricks in the street are missing. So where the gold here? Oh, they got it in the house in there. No. Keep your attention on heaven. Don't steal from God on your way to heaven. Can you repeat that after me? Don't steal from God on your way to heaven. You know what people do? They will ask God, Lord, bless me with more money. And the Lord said, but you're already stealing my money with what I already bless you with. Now, if I give you more, that's just going to make you a bigger thief. So where you were stealing $10, now you're stealing 25 the Lord said, I'm not going to bless you. I can't bless you because I, I got to trust you. I got to trust you. I got to trust you. I'm looking for somebody to understand what I'm saying. I got to trust you. But then, next of all, is to help you lay up treasures in heaven. You said, but pastor, we ain't going to have no money in heaven. No, the only thing that goes to heaven is people, souls. So when I tithe on the earth, that helps to reach more souls. So when I get to heaven, guess what I'm going to meet? Hundreds of people, thousands of people that said, I got saved because of you. Others did the, others did the, the, the going, but we did the sending. We sent them on the mission field. We sent them to Africa. We sent them to Asia. We sent them to Central America. But the newest mission field, you ain't going to like this. They, I'm through. They actually say the second greatest mission field in the world now is America. Africa is sending preachers to America to get folks saved now. And then lastly, it's God's plan to help you participate in world evangelism. Reaching out to the last, the lost, the least, and the left behind. Going to their rescue. Somebody said, but I thought hey, the church, uh, these preachers and these folks, all that, who feeds the poor? Who takes care of the home? Usually people that talk like that don't feed the poor. But the truth is that when we say world evangelism, we're talking about that and more. We're talking about building the kingdom of God. Give me some music. Let's stand all over the room.